1: Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle
2: required. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Wednesday, November 8th, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast.
3: That is the voice of today's special guest. He's a Super Bowl champion, a former number one overall pick, the co-lead analyst on NFL Total Access, The Broadcast. You can catch him every Tuesday and Wednesday right here on NFL Network. He's the Bakersfield Bomber. He's David Carr. Welcome back to the (laughs) pod, (laughs) good sir. Bakersfield Bomber. I need a website. I am your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy. And on today's show, what in the actual hell is wrong with the NFL? A pass-happy league, you say? A quarterback-driven league, you say? B.S. That's bullshit if you're scoring at home. The lowest offensive output in the NFL this season through nine weeks since 2017. Defenses, David Carr, are winning the day almost every day, and I want to get to the bottom of it. Yep. These offenses are offensive. Maybe it's a matter of diagnosing the defense From your perspective, you watch every game every week. You watch every snap of every game every week. What are you seeing that may explain why defenses in the NFL this season seem to have a rather appreciable edge?
2: Yeah, so it's a copycat league, and when you look around the league – Historically, you've been able to find some common themes in the offensive systems because everybody watches each other's tape. Like you know, you get the last four opponents just sent to you, and your iPad downloads them now. I know the iPads. We didn't have the iPads back in my day, <laughs> but they just get downloaded. So you watch, and you're like, oh, these guys. We didn't have cell play. phones back in yeah. my day, Sonny.
3: We had a rotary phone at <laughs> the bottom yeah, of the stairs. Exactly,
2: see? exactly right. And so, but th- how it happens is like so. You can watch the Dolphins play, you can, and you'll see what the Niners ran two weeks ago, or you can watch vice versa. And so that, that happens, right, throughout the course of the league, throughout the course of the history of the league. And defenses will catch up, and they'll get onto your schemes, and they'll see what they saw, and you'll try to expose it. And so this, this chess match goes back and forth and back and forth. But the ultimate chess piece has always been the quarterback. And because it doesn't matter what I call, and Vic Fangio, who's in with the Miami Dolphins yeah, right now. defensive coordinator for Miami coordinator. Dolphins. He believes, and I've talked to him about this, that he can guess the offense's play if they are not an audible-based team, a team that just is a call-it-and-run-it team. He can guess their play every time. And, I mean, he's not right every time, but he's a good defensive coordinator that has been around and has coached some good defenses because of his ability to understand that. And so if you, if you get a, a league full of those guys... I mean, it's gonna be very difficult. I remember talking to Derek last year when he was with Las Vegas and Josh McDaniels was not a big audible guy, actually didn't want any audibles from his quarterback. And just
3: wanted a call it and run it as you to, call just, it offense. Just,
2: just run what I call, right? And that's, that's fine. That I mean, that's what everyone does now. And is that true?
3: Are most of for sorry to interrupt, yes. but thirty two teams in the NFL, would you say that twenty plus twenty five of those teams are Call it and yeah. run it, and only, what, a handful are audible-based? Yeah,
2: 25%, 30% maybe. Who, who are the
3: audible-based teams uh, that jump off the page? Are we talking Bengals? Dolphins and Niners?
2: Yeah, Bengals jump out. So, interestingly enough, the the Dolphins and the Niners aren't really a team. No, they're more like call it and run it. They're more call it and run it, but if, you, if you're going to be a call it and run it team, the good thing that they do is they shift in motion on every play. Right. So if you're if you're not gonna be a team that is gonna let the quarterback have his superpower ability to line up in a stagnant formation and let and use his cadence or use his keys to decipher what the defense is doing and then get you in the right play, you have to you have to create smoke and mirrors. Okay,
3: so Niners and Dolphins, I was wrong, they are all about disguise. They're disguise but they are still ostensibly call it and run it offenses. Yes. You mentioned the Bengals, let me go back to that. So the Bengals represent those NFL teams, those handful, I should think, NFL teams that are less about disguise and more about diagnosis, allowing their quarterback, Joe Burrow, in this case, to diagnose a defense and make the right call.
2: That's right. Exactly. And so there's two there's essentially two ways to do it. And maybe 10 years ago, predominantly, the the main offensive system was let your quarterback be the general let him and Peyton Manning was probably had a lot to do with that because he was the best at it and he would kind of show us all how to do it I had to compete against him for five years in the same division so we stole a lot of stuff from him we weren't as good as it at it as he was but we all we all adopted that and it was it was difficult that was the standard that was that was the, goal. the standard and offenses I would argue at least quarterback play It was more efficient. You saw bigger performances in big games. And now we see, you know, because if you give someone, you know, a a lot of film, if I I give you a lot of Miami Dolphin film and I'm a good coach in, in Buffalo, right? I'm gonna be on your stuff. So you can see like Miami, they have struggled against good football teams. And you can't just say like, oh, they struggle against good football teams because they're not a good football team. That's just, that's not a lazy way, but it's like, there's reasons for that. And it's because good defensive coordinators, right, that can put pressure on your quarterback, and are good at diagnosing your formations and your shifts and motions, are going to clamp your stuff. And so it's not going to be open. And so I think that there's always that there, there's always that glass ceiling for offenses like that for the 49ers, which I love, Kyle Shanahan, I love Mike Daniels. I think they are absolutely brilliant at what they do. Because think about how hard that is to be able to call an offense against a defensive coordinator that knows what your stuff is and then consistently, week after week, come up with different wrinkles that looks the same but gives you free offense for your quarterback. That's so difficult. It's so hard to do. The Bengals, on the other hand, as is the prime example in this scenario, are a team that they just look – how easy does it look for Joe Burrow? Very. Quarterback? He looks like anybody could do it. Yes. Right? Because he's literally getting up there – seeing a stagnant formation, and no one else is doing it, so no one defensively, they don't even know what's happening because these kids didn't watch Peyton play. I mean, maybe they did, but they don't understand what's really happening. And Joe is very good at it because he's very subtle at his audibles. He doesn't make this whole show about it, so you don't really know he's even changing the play. But he's doing it every play. And he's getting to the right look, and he's getting the right play with a subtle hand signal or at home, a subtle call. And and they're able to just methodically move down the field against – a defense that really doesn't have, unless you're physically more dominant than them, a chance because the offense is going to be in the right play every time. And it's brilliant to watch. I love watching the Bengals because they make it look easy. And there's a reason because no one else is really doing this. Joe Burrow and the
3: Bengals are 6-1 or 7-1 against Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I heard the stat this morning and I'm I'm getting it wrong on one of those two. It's either 6-1 or 7-1 in the last seven or the last eight games against two teams considered to be the class of the outfit in the AFC. Are the Bengals the most dangerous team in the NFL right now?
2: Yeah, so interestingly enough, for, for that exact scenario, I, I, I think yes, uh, to answer your, your question, are they the most dangerous team? Yes, because when you look at Steve Spagnola, who I love, and I actually played with Steve him. Steve
3: Spagnola of course, is the Chiefs defensive coordinator. But
2: he was the Giants defensive coordinator when I was there. And Steve is great, but if you are in a situation where you can – I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say Steve's defensive structure is easy to diagnose, but if you have the tools to diagnose it and cuz he is a he's a big he's not just a subtle blitz guy. He's an overload guy. He'll bring four or five off one side, but if you can get the keys, you can adjust those things. And then, voila, you're Joe Burrow, who gets the keys to it. And then his record speaks for itself against a defense like that. So it nullifies a lot of these exotic looks that these defenses are able to do against you if you if you have the ability to adjust protections adjust route concepts and there's no secret why why Joe is successful against that defensive structure
3: is he an outlier is he so special that he of course will be in a small group of people right able to do what he does or do you have more faith in NFL quarterbacks that if they were coached up maybe the way that Joe Burrow has been coached up that you believe we could see a greater degree of what you call pure quarterback play in the league that these quarterbacks need to be coached and trusted to do so
2: so i watched the buffalo bills play the other day and this was two weeks ago and i can't really remember who the opponent was but they were in the tight red zone they brought the defensive structure brought four off the edge they only had three blockers so they were essentially the term we use in the quarterback rooms is hot like they have a free rusher at the quarterback and that requires a quick throw generally in that same area to a receiver that adjusts his route
3: yeah i think it was in that bucks game yeah. wasn't it
2: okay so the bucks game it happens right the, the ball is not thrown like in my world when i lived and watched Peyton and these guys the chances of that happening are zero like it would never happen that a veteran quarterback of josh's caliber would not throw a hot route to a, he was he just he just went out to the back like moved out to the left, tried to create a play and drew this happened like 10 times over the course of that entire game. And I'm like, what,
4: what are we Which is systemically what we, suicidal. What are
2: we doing? Like, what are we, are we just asking these guys to create? And that's, that's the, that's the base problem with the Buffalo bills. If you want to just like really dig into what's wrong with these guys, that's it. Like, it is literally that, that Josh is not being asked to play true quarterback. is lamar
3: jackson now being asked to play two quarterback uh, true quarterback i can't even get it out so he is so anathema to the modern game yeah
2: so he is uh he's a he's a one-off he's a guy that is running he's a he's a call-it-and-run-it guy um but he's so dynamic so i was talking to kurt about this and it's like have you seen them run a concept that you recognize no i have not like i they, they run so many rpos they run i don't know what he's even being asked to read sometimes but he's so dynamic with his ability to kind of make plays. You think about the touchdown he threw the other day where he was in the pocket for nine seconds, kept his eye... (laughs) Like, who else can do that, really? Is Trevor Lawrence being asked to do it? Trevor is.
3: He is. Yes. So he's on that short list with Joe Burrow. Yeah, Trevor is.
2: Is Deshaun Watson being asked to do that? No. No, he's not. Is he capable of doing that? Yeah, he could do it. He could do it. He's been asked. Is
3: Justin Herbert being asked to do that?
2: Uh, Yes. Yeah, he is. Yeah, Justin has a really good processor. Like, when he first got in the league... He was great at seeing space and seeing where guys were. Uh, But when Kellen came, Kellen is from that old school. All right, quarterback, we're going to work together and we're going to figure out the best play. So he's given the parameters to they they'll do some, they'll do some 30% offense, like I like to call it the easy stuff, right? Where it's all right, I'm going to scheme up some stuff for you with some shifts and motions with Austin Eckler, use some screens, but you know what? We're going to get you in a position where you can diagnose the defense and you can go attack. A little bit. And Your brother
3: Derek Carr was pining to do this yeah. during his time in the silver and black. Is he being invited to do it now that he's wearing gold and black?
2: Yeah, and interestingly enough, no one in the league has more yards per game in the last four weeks than the Saints. Okay, what about Jared Goff?
3: Is Ben Johnson giving him the keys to the Absolutely. car?
2: Absolutely, yeah. It's fun to watch them.
3: We, uh, You already mentioned Brock Purdy that, no, that is more of a call-it-and-run-it offense. Yep. I should think that Geno Smith is also a bit call it and run it in Seattle. What about in the bit. NFC East? Let's talk about the two real quarterbacks of note if we're thinking long-term uh, teams with real playoff potential. Let's start with Dak Prescott. Is it call
2: it and run it in Dallas?
3: Does he need to be given
2: more latitude? Yeah, it's call it and run it, unfortunately. and there, Mike Mike's a really old-school West Coast guy, which there's nothing wrong with the West Coast offense when Bill Walsh implemented it and everyone took it from there. It was fantastic. It it, it literally talked to Tony Dunn about this it changed the way they had to play defense because they uh, forever they played basically single high man coverage like forever and they had to they had to literally in in pittsburgh figure out a way to stop san francisco because they were a team that they could see was going to take over the league and so they implemented cover three cover four cover two and the zone coverage was really literally born in pittsburgh in the, in the national football league but I think that when it, when you when you boil it all down, the call it and run it thing is is, is a situation where some teams, if you're going to do it, you got to be really good with shifts and motions. But if you're not going to do that, then you, you got to give your quarterback some freedom.
3: And lastly, what about Jalen Hurts in Philly?
2: Jalen Hurts is a, he's like Baltimore, where they're more RPO based. They're more, you know, we're going to just let our quarterback be an athlete. And that's I think that's why you see them, they're up and down. You know, they they're they're not necessarily hitting on all cylinders. They're they're making their plays, but a lot of it is because A.J. Brown is just a, a freak talent-wise. And, and so they're able to push the ball to him. And then their offensive system is much like the Colts' offensive system, where they're going to pound the football with the quarterback. They're going to run the football. They're going to throw the ball because they get single high. They get, one, they get one-on-ones everywhere because they're so good in the run game. So it's not really necessary.
3: For the longest time, we always talked about the best athletes being on the offensive side of the ball. For the longest time it was running backs and wide receivers. Then we started to see better and better athletes playing the quarterback position, and what a joy that has been. We're seeing better and better athletes play tight end, and what a joy that is. Obviously on the defensive side of things, the best athletes for years were always those cornerbacks, those Deion Sanders-like cornerbacks that we would see seemingly have the ability to do anything. They had magic in their legs, they had magic in their eyes, and yes, in their hands too. Obviously we have seen amazing athletes at the linebacker position going all the way back to the seminal days of the nfl we are starting to see more and more dominant athletic some smaller sized by sort of like historical comparison defensive ends really are able to change a game this is heading toward this question which is we cannot take away Credit from NFL defenses this season. We are talking oh, yeah, here on oh, yeah. NFL Total Access, the podcast, Andrew Levy with David Carr, about what seems to be anemia affecting NFL offenses, the lowest points total for the league through nine games in the last six seasons. We are trying to figure out why that is the case. David Carr's answer, number one, is that we are seeing a dilution of sorts at the quarterback position, that being. These young men are being asked to just run the play that was called, and they're not being empowered to make adjustments as necessary on the fly. A handful of lucky, able quarterbacks yeah. are being asked to do that. Joe Burrow, the first off the page for David Carr. But obviously we have to give some credit to NFL defenses. Better and better athletes are making it harder and harder for NFL offenses to get where they wanna get, and that's in the paint.
2: Yeah, teams are, uh, defense in particular, they're putting more speed on the field. And and forever I, I can remember it would take, you know, putting three or even four wide receivers on the field before you got all three linebackers off the field. And that's not just the case. That's not the case anymore. Not only are guys bigger and faster and stronger and able to cover down more and do multiple things. You think about the linebackers for the Baltimore Ravens, like those two guys, like they can they can do everything. They can cover your wide receivers in the slot. They're not afraid to do that. No secret why they're in the top of the league as far as defense, because they can do a lot from that, you know, that linebacker position. But it's really about putting speed on the field and matching up with all these offenses. So when when these offensive systems first started coming in the league a couple years ago, and you started to see more runs from the quarterback and teams, I remember I'm, I'm old enough to remember, you know, the quarterback coaches and the offense coordinators would say, "No, we can't, we can't do the read option in the NFL. The defense ends are too good. Like we can't put you guys in that situation. It's just you guys are gonna get hurt." Right, and I understood their under. I mean, it's a franchise quarterback. They don't want to put those guys in that situation, and it's still sometimes the case. But I think that once that offense started coming into the league, defenses were a little bit behind. They were like, "Oh, hang on, how do we cover this?" Then they would go back and spend time with college coaches and be like, "How do you guys cover the triple option from the shotgun and all this stuff that we're starting to see?" And and defenses, they learned, they evolved, they figured out. Okay, that's what you guys are going to do. All right, we're going to build a defensive system with. The speed, obviously the scheme is important, but then the speed on the other side of the ball to handle all these different looks. And so that happened over the last couple of years. And now we've seen where we're sitting now in a situation where, okay, now it's kind of a fair fight. We know all your tricks. We've seen all the different looks from Kansas and from Oklahoma and what USC does. Like, and you guys are trying to implement the NFL. Well, guess what? Here comes guys across the board that can run 4-4. And now we're going to match up with you. And so now you find yourself back in this situation where schematically the defense is caught up and offenses are still running the same scheme. And and now if you want to break out of that mold, that's the chess piece game, right? That's where okay. you, that's so, where you so insert that's your So that
3: scenario of defenses having caught up, yep. offenses still running similar systems that they have for, for years and yep. for decades, creates this kind of stalemate, which yesterday we characterized as parity. Yep. And you see that the, the thing that's going to break the stalemate – The thing that's going to win this chess match is, in fact, the ultimate queen, the ultimate chess piece, that ability to do anything and go anywhere. And that ability, in your estimation, only rests in the hands of a handful of guys, which means that... Would it be fair to say Patrick Mahomes, I didn't even mention, but certainly he is one of
2: those guys? Patrick is great at that. Okay, so Patrick Mahomes,
3: Joe Burrow, guys like Trevor Lawrence are being asked to do it. Your brother Derek Carr is being asked to do it.
2: Jalen Hurts and
3: Lamar Jackson are, in RPO offenses yes. that sort of treat that flexibility a little bit differently, yeah. who has the edge? Would you give the edge to a, a Jalen Hurts or a Lamar Jackson-led offense? Because right now, a lot of people believe that the Eagles and the, yeah, Ravens, and the Ravens are, Ravens. in fact, the two best teams in the NFL. Or in a game that matters most, let's say a conference championship game or, yes, a Super Bowl, would you give the edge to a Patrick Mahomes or a Joe Burrow?
2: It's hard to say that I would. I mean, lately, it's it seems yeah. like
3: Patrick Mahomes has the edge.
2: Yeah, so Pat, has, he's he doesn't even really have all the answers from a physical standpoint at, on his roster, you know. But yet, he still continues to find ways. And Pat, is, as great as he is at making dynamic plays, he's brilliant. Like, he really gets it, man. Like, football IQ is off the charts, and Andy Reid trusts him. And they'll get in these funny formations and shifts and motions, but Pat's able to adjust protections. He's able to pick up free rushers. He's able to do all of these things. At the line of scrimmage, we are, we we know you just can pop on NFL films or the sideline sound, and you can hear his conversations between Travis Kelsey and himself. Like those guys are freelance and everything, right? So they're adjusting on the fly, right? And that's that's elite level what I'm talking about. Version of full chess piece of a queen at quarterback, like Pat is. He's the master of it, and. And burrow is, is doing the same things. And if you have that ability, I mean, I just trust that more. I just, I mean, you can, you can win it. You can obviously Jalen hurts has shown you can, you can be successful. You can go all the way. Right. But I think, I mean, to get to the mountaintop and, and actually, I I think about the, the time I spent with Eli and, and he was never the most talented guy but he had an answer for every defensive structure, everything that was that could possibly be thrown at him. And if you don't think that given two weeks these coordinators aren't going to throw everything at you from a defensive uh, perspective and these offenses if they think they're just going to come in here with their shifts and motions and then okay, that's it. Like it's just, it's going to be clamp city, man. It, it just will be. You you just can't be in, you can't guess right. You can't come up with Mike McDaniels, I love him. I mean, but you can't come up with enough, wrinkle, uh, enough wrinkles to, to successfully move your team down the field against a team that's equally matched. Inferior opponent? Yes. We can chop you up all day with post wheel flat route. Like I run it in high school because I stole it from Mike McDaniels. It's great, right? But you run that five times against a team that's on it. Like that's not, it's not going to be successful. I don't care if you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. It doesn't matter. You have to, you have to empower the quarterback and teams that empower the quarterback are going to win consistently.
4: And then they're never at any of and those. Nev-
1: yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling the me? About- the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe
0: to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from The Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer
3: You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast, Andrew Levy with David Carr. I have a bunch of questions. I really, in some ways, I'm guilty of uh, doing the very thing that... We're talking about today, I just sort of like called to play and, uh, and asked you to run it. Lucky for me, as a terrible coach, uh, you're smart enough to <laughs> diagnose that this conversation needs to go in many different this directions, and it this has. I, I had a coached. whole bunch of questions to ask you, so now I'm going to ask you for 30-second answers to okay, questions that I really should give you five minutes each on. Eagles and Chiefs are winning, but they're doing it in a way that maybe you'll agree with me seems unconvincing they are in fact yeah. winning ugly is winning ugly a winning recipe
2: yeah so they're they're winning ugly differently i think uh so the eagles are just they're, they're an elite roster. Uh, I think if you looked over the course of the league, they, you'd say everyone would say the top three roster-wise. So they have the physical ability to overcome some of the things we've talked about earlier, schematically just calling the play and running it. They can call the play and run it all day. They're going to they're gonna beat most teams doing that. They're winning ugly because of that, honestly, because they're, they're not necessarily running the best plays against some of the looks they're getting. But A.J. Brown's better than three of the guys that are running with him, so he makes a play. I mean, So they're finding ways to do that.
3: They are on the offensive side. I think the ugliness for me is what I'm seeing on their defense. They are allowing mediocre teams like my commanders to put up surprisingly, alarmingly high numbers of points against them, which you should think later in the season and certainly in the playoffs may just come back to bite you real quickly on the Chiefs. They're winning ugly. You said differently. I assume that you're about to tell me it's because – they are being led by their defense.
2: Yeah, they are. Their defensive, their defensive unit, and they've they've played great. So they played a lot of young guys last year, and they they did what they had to do, and they they worked through some issues early in last year, and they're paying the the, the rewards are paying off now because like these guys are now in a position where Steve can just he's a mad scientist, and if he finds a team that's just going to be a call and run it team, he's just going to come attack you, and that's what he's doing. He's using Chris Jones as that ultimate chess piece on the defensive side, moving wherever he wants, create one on ones for him and they're playing well, you know, as opposed to Philly on the back end. They're, they've are they lost some veteran guys, and now they're in a situation where they're kind of reeling. there's not great communication. There's some space being created on the back end. As good as that front end is for Philly, the defensive line, they can roll in eight guys there. They could probably start anywhere. That's fine, but if you can pick it up and find a way to protect and chip a little bit, give me some time. I like my matchup over here. I like my matchup. Literally everywhere, right? If I'm a good football team, you feel like offensively you have an advantage against. I mean, there's no one really in the secondary for Philly. That's why they had to go make the move uh, for the safety for Bayard because there's just no one there to really line those guys up and, and get them to play consistently. So they're trying to find they're trying to find something you know to get them going. Are the
3: Dolphins and the Bills imposters? Or are they frauds?
2: I think the Dolphins are going to run into teams. You know, it's it, like I said earlier. It's it's easy to say, okay, they're they're getting beat by good teams. I think that they're getting beat by good coordinators who are as competent as Mike McDaniel's as creating a defensive structure that can kind of put the clamps on you early. And they're not good at playing, you know, outside the scheme. Once the scheme that Mike brilliantly draws up, once that play isn't thrown on rhythm, I like, just look at the numbers. Like if Tua holds it for more than two and a half seconds, like it's not a good play. It just is is not. And so. I think that's where they're going to run into a little bit of a hurdle is trying to find ways to create. Mike's just Mike is the MVP of that team. Like you talk about Tyreek, you talk about Tua. It's Mike McDaniels because he's creating space for these guys um, consistently. And he's probably working overtime trying to continue to do that because, I mean, if I'm running his stuff at high school, in high school football, everybody knows what his base plays are. Right. So everybody in the league across the league knows Tyreek Kill lines up at tight end, motions out to the wide side. He's running a hitch and Jalen's running a post. Like I know that just instinctively off watching film, you know, of them this year. Defense coordinators know that stuff. So like it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of a... Tua's gonna either have to be given a little bit more, right? Uh, to adjust things, right? If based on coverage, get in some it's it's as easy as this, Drew. Like if I come out here and I'm in a set and I get a shell coverage, like Okay, give me the ability to check into a run from this shift in motion. Like Mike can do that. Mike's done that in San Francisco not a lot, but they can do those types of things because I'd be concerned if I'm one of those teams that this is we've reached our, our limit, right? We've reached we've maxed out here. You know, what what's going to give us the edge? They need to find their edge, and I think that that could be one of the answers.
3: Question about the Cowboys, why can't the Cowboys seem to win games that matter the most? It it comes down Is to, there a simple answer?
2: Yeah, I think I think the simple answer is they haven't done it. The simple answer and until is
3: until they do, they don't know that they, they, they can. They, so they, it's simply a, not in their muscle you can memory see in
2: their eyes. Like you can see it in Dax face sometimes. Like, I don't really believe that I can do this right now. Like, cause we haven't done it consistently. I think that's, that you have to, it's, it's a learned habit winning. Tom Coughlin needs to talk about it all the time. Like we're going to, we're going to train winning every day. And I think that you have to do that. And honestly, a lot of it comes down to they played great. They they played good on the road. Like that's fantastic for them, you know. And they're excited about getting to play those guys at home again. But man, like you have to you have to consistently win in those situations to p- to believe that you can do it when it, the situation arises again. Is it going to be a Chiefs Eagles Super Bowl again? <laughs> it's looking that way. Um, I, I yeah. You talk about them winning ugly. Like there's some chinks in the armor there. So so teams are going to look at them and say oh, we might match up pretty good against them. I think we can. Handle this, but when it comes down to it, are you a better roster? Are you a better player than A.J. Brown, if you're a corner? Are you a better player at the linebacker position than Jalen and Devontae Smith moving around or their tight end and their run game package? Are you better than them? Because scheme's great, but it comes down to players. And Pat Mahomes for the Chiefs, like, it's great to scheme up something, but like we've talked about, he has the answers. Like he has, he can get right to whatever he wants to get to, and he has Travis to be able to move around in those you know, stagnant pieces with his other guys gives Travis the flexibility to win. It's hard to beat that, man, unless you're unless you're going to get him back into some rut of making bad decisions, which he understands he has a good defense. Like, you look, listen to his post-game press conferences, it's like, no, you guys will find out how good our defense is. Like, he gets it, man. Who That's would terrifying. the Chiefs
3: rather face in the AFC Championship game, the Ravens or the Bengals?
2: Probably the Ravens.
3: Who would the Eagles rather face in the NFC Championship game, the Niners or the Cowboys?
2: Uh, the Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys. I think that there's something about. Didn't the...
3: you feel a little bit though, coming out of this most recent Eagles Cowboys game, that the Cowboys are closer to the Eagles when they are at their best than maybe the Niners with Brock Purdy are when when they are at their best. No, it's it's
2: it, it, I, I instinctually went there, and but I really think that it's not it's not even really about Brock as much as it is the rest of that 49ers crew when they're fully loaded. There's a there's a toughness factor that the 49ers have. That we saw that the Cowboys do not have, right? We talked about a little bit of the mental toughness to be able to get over the hurdle of winning, right? But I would argue that they even have a physical toughness that is just, it's just different than the Dallas Cowboys. We've already seen the Niners and the Cowboys. Like, that's going to be the same every time. I don't care how bad the Niners are playing, I don't care how good the Cowboys are playing. There's just something about, that that matchup, those matchups individually with Kittle on the edge, right, with Trent Williams, like with Fred Warner, like they, they, just, they just physically know that you're whooped already, you know? And so I, I think that, you know, when you're looking at Philly and, and San Francisco believes they're better than Philly, like that's the other thing is like, they, they still talk about what happened at the end if Brock wouldn't have got hurt. San Francisco really believes they're a better team than Philly.
3: Two teams in the NFC that are annoyed at me that I overlooked them. Who would win a game this week between the saints and the lions
2: i think that'd be a fantastic football game that would be incredible because the saints are, are playing. can you be
3: impartial here
2: yeah i think you know when you when i look at it scheme wise both quarterbacks are given the freedom at the line to kind of get into whatever they need to get into you know the offense for the saints is a work in progress but they've been playing better over the last four weeks the lions have some good components i would say that i would give the edge probably to you know, Alave and some of these guys yeah. from a physical standpoint against the secondary of the Lions, they make me a little bit nervous. And there's things that you can do to exploit that. It'd be a great football game. I think it'd be great. The
3: two teams in the AFC that are annoyed at me for having overlooked them, who would win a game this week between the Jags and the Bills?
2: Oh man, that, that would be a good game too. I'd be frustrated watching that game <laughs> probably because you just, so Trevor is given the keys to do what he needs to do, but he's pretty he's inconsistent because when he was at Clemson, he, he didn't really do that stuff. And Doug is Doug was great because he unlocked, I think, some stuff with Trevor. Uh, you know, when he started coaching him, that I think it could take this kid to like MVP level. He really could get there. Um, I think he's still a little bit inconsistent because this is this all this uh, freedom to do whatever I need to do is is it can be man it, it could be like overwhelming for a quarterback. I mean, the first time uh, the first meeting I was in when I was in Houston and I was given the keys to everything and I had never done that before. My coach in high school just said just if, they're, if they bring extra guys, just kind of buy time. Like in Houston, <laughs> I could adjust everything. And I'm like, there's no way I'm ready for this. And I remember even asking my offensive coordinator, I'm like, does every, does every quarterback in the league do this? He's like, the good ones. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> I got some work to do, man. So I see Trevor in that same mold. He's, there's a lot going on, right? And sometimes he doesn't make the right, right decision. But if you can just stick with it, man, if, if Doug can stick with it with him, They're going to be really good.
4: Hey, guys. It's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating up to eight passengers. Yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
2: What's up? I'm John Wall.
4: And I'm CJ Toledana, and we're starting a
1: new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari.
0: We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. Can't coach. This is crazy. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio
1: app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: It wasn't
5: even supposed to be my That's my day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. For the ninth straight week, I have abused
3: the time of David Carr. Hopefully not your patience. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: We're good, brother. I appreciate it. Always fun.
3: I want to invite the listener to join us tomorrow when Michael Robinson will be in the chair. We are going to turn the page and look ahead to the best matchups of Week 10. Some of those matchups are not between two teams, but between two players. We'll tell you what they are. That's tomorrow. Till then. Ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class.
1: Let's go places.
5: Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health.